Coming up on the third anniversary of the J Reels podcast, I'll discuss Kyrie Irving and his thoughts on what the new NBA logo should be, the long road of recovery for Tiger Woods, all the college basketball as March Madness is just less than two weeks away, and the continuing sagas of Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson in the NFL. Lots to get into, but first, this message. Hey everybody, J Reels here to share a friendly reminder. If this is your first time getting an opportunity to listen to what it is that I have to say about what's going on in the world of sports, welcome aboard. Or if you've been a long-time listener, not only do I welcome you back, but I want to advise you to all, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the J-Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to them. Of course, this pod is on all platforms, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, even Amazon Music. I not only host this endeavor... But I independently produce, edit, and write what you read and listen to. So your participation is vital to increase the visibility of this platform to those who aren't familiar with it. In turn, to generate interest to those who aren't aware or know of this podcast, especially the former or current athlete, broadcaster, blogger, sports writer, studio host, etc. As I want them to share their experience on the field, the court, press box, broadcast booth, or in the studio with me. So then I can flip that to you guys and gals to deliver top-notch, fast-paced, entertaining, informative, and credible sports talk unlike any other for everyone to listen to and enjoy and to keep coming back for more on a week-in, week-out basis. You can also go to the website for more information about me, the pod, archive shows at www.jreels.com. I appreciate you all. I thank you very much for listening, trusting, and believing in me. So with that said, the J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The sports rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J Reels Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well as we turn the calendar yet again on a new day, a new week, a new month as March has arrived, which means moving the clocks up in less than two weeks, the days will be longer, we're into the home stretch of winter with spring just three weeks away, and we have an anniversary to celebrate. But before we get there, let me take you through the sports landscape on everything that's happening as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard, and for those who have been banging with me for now 181 episodes, I welcome you guys back once again the first day of March in the year of our Lord 2021, the J Reels What's the Deal segment, what's expected on this podcast, this is as follows, of course the sports world and the biggest story coming out of it was what happened last week in Los Angeles or a little bit south of LA where Tiger Woods suffered that horrific car accident where he had to get rods and screws everything into his right leg as he's recovering from surgery resting comfortably in southern california what does that mean for his recovery what does this mean for his future the tribute that a lot of his fellow golfers put forth yesterday down in bradenton was one to speak 
volumes of the embattled and, of course, injured golf superstar. I'll talk about that later on, as well as getting into all the college basketball as we're just two and a half weeks away from March Madness beginning and the conference championships next week. Baylor suffered their first loss against Kansas over the weekend, so what does that mean for them? Will they drop down in the rankings? Will Michigan move up as they continue to fly high in Ann Arbor? I'll get into all that later on. Everything that's happening in the association, the situation with Kyrie Irving thinking that Kobe Bryant should be the logo. Also, what's going on in the NFL as the saga continues, not only in Houston with Deshaun Watson, but now Seattle with Russell Wilson. Will he be looking for a new address? That remains to be seen almost at the halfway point of the NHL season as they slowly but surely try to get through this season as well as baseball. So much to shake a stick at as well as my hero and zero of the week. But I'm going to start off here today celebrating the three-year anniversary of the J Reels podcast because on this date exactly three years ago, I began this journey pretty much not knowing what to expect, not knowing how this was going to blossom, And as much as I love sports and it's part of my being, fabric, etc. I certainly didn't know what direction or in this case, how this was all going to pan out as not to say I just rolled the dice and said the hell with it. Let's see where it goes because I wanted to have some structure when it comes to this podcast. But the first thing that comes to mind when I think about these past three years is where the hell did the time go? It seems like within a blink of an eye. I went into my first year celebrating 2019. The next thing you know, I'm into 2020. We have a pandemic, five months without sports, sprinkling some guests along the way. And now here we are on the very first day of March, knowing that three years ago, I started this with my maiden voyage, my zero zero introduction to the podcast universe. And now as I sit here sharing episode 181 with you guys, I really sit here in amazement, almost in, I don't want to say disbelief is a little strong, but to Think that I've made it here for three years? It's not only a testament to the passion, the desire, the fire that I have to do this, but it's also to you guys. And next, I have to thank you for not only sticking with me, trusting me to deliver sports, not only in an entertaining and informative, but even most importantly, a credible fashion. And not only just to talk about the obvious sports, the NFL, even the NBA, But to the baseball fan or the guy that is sick and tired of baseball because of all the back and forth between the players and owners and as I've said time and time again with Armageddon pretty much at the end of this year and what the sport is probably going to have to endure here because of their differences that the baseball fan is starting to wane. And the hockey fan, if you're not a diehard, not too many people could list the 31 NHL teams, let alone even talk about some of the players in the league if you're not Alexander Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, etc. And I've also sprinkled in some MMA and boxing over the last few weeks. The Daytona 500 I talked about. The tennis with the Australian Open. Golf, as I'll talk about Tiger Woods later on. To me, my goal and objective was to have this all-encompassing sports podcast that you could come to for various thoughts, opinions, analysis, etc. on all the sports. Not just what's happening in the NFL, not what's happening in the NBA, or to have some fantasy league, because as you all know, I can't stand the fantasy stuff. So I wanted to blanket the whole 
sports universe and get into all these different things, not because I have to, because I want to. Because as I've said time after time, if you listened going back to either episode one or somewhere in between or even as recent as the last few weeks, it's in the DNA, people. It's in the blood. This is what I love. This is what I talk about. To me, this isn't work. This is just sharing everything that's inside of me into this microphone and out to you guys, whether it's in your earbuds, your speakers, etc. And for you to keep coming back week after week, month after month, and hopefully year after year. And I intend to be here as long as I'm on God's green earth, healthy, able to bring that passion, that fire, and again, the credibility, because that's what it all matters at the end of the day. Because I could have all these different hot takes and all this regurgitated narratives and everything that's happening in the sports world that only few focus on. And you listen to the talk shows or podcasts where it's just the same thing that they jam down your throat day after day, week after week. And yes, we know what dominates the headlines, but at the same time, as much as I'll get into that, I want to talk about the other things too. That the real sports fan or even the casual sports fan wants to come back to listen to. Because how much more can you take of listening to are the Lakers going to make it to the finals with Anthony Davis out? Or how much can you listen to what's going on in Houston or in Seattle when it comes to their quarterbacks? Yes, you know you want to get the analysis. You know you want to get whatever insight and to get any information in regards to that understood But can you take a thousand doses of that over the course of a week without saying, all right, I'm sick of it. I got to go elsewhere with my sports. So I got to listen to somebody else spew about it. Well, this is why I thank you guys for listening to me, for following me and entrusting in me as a credible sports voice or source that I could get you through your day, that I could get you through whatever it is that you're going through. And at the same time, we're in this together. So with that, I thank you guys for subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that. Please tell your friends, share with everybody else. And I hope to be here for not only just three more years, 33 more years and beyond. And I also want to thank the people who have contributed to this podcast or even participated for that matter, all the guests, the people behind the scenes that have helped out, which has been immense in the growth of this podcast. And again, I'm not going anywhere, people. So you're just going to have to deal with it. You have to deal with this voice, you have to deal with my goofiness, silliness, etc. But that's what's going to get us through not only just the podcast and listening to it, but of course through this time as we're slowly but surely getting out of this whole year of coronavirus. And to think it's going to be a year in the next 10, 11 days or so, which I'll touch on at that time when we get to that one year anniversary. But today as we celebrate three, let's move forward. I hope you guys keep coming back. Now let's put forth a great show for you guys. So I'm going to start off with the NBA. And there's a lot to discuss there only because with that being the one league of focus with games being played, I know it's March, so everybody's looking forward to the college basketball. But there's a little bit of, I don't want to say hesitation when it comes to that. And I'll get into that a little bit later on when it comes to what's happening in the college circuit. We know the hockey, like I said, if you're not a Dino Wolf fan, it's going to be tough for you to follow or tough for you to even gauge as to which team is the best, who's got a good shot of making a deep run in the postseason. As we know, it's not as if the 
playoffs are going to begin in the middle of the next month, which they normally do. It's not going to be pushed to May, obviously, with the start of their season being in January. And same for the NBA, as their postseason will start in May. But with the sports world pretty much focused on the association, and you have the All-Star break coming up this weekend, where Sunday night, everybody will be in Atlanta. Not everybody, but the All-Stars and the popping circumstances, we all know, as we're more than halfway into this NBA season or just about there because a lot of teams are either a game or two shy or or right at that point. But before we even get through the league and what's happening there, there are a couple of issues that I want to bring up. It feels like from time to time over the last couple of months, Kyrie Irving, which a lot of it I get he brings upon himself, but the spotlight is surely on the Brooklyn Nets and the Mercurial point guard, or now two guard, when you look at James Harden being the guy who's now the quote-unquote point guard of the Brooklyn Nets. But with Brooklyn just having their nine-game winning streak shut down on Saturday night against the Dallas Mavericks and all the praise James Harden had bestowed upon Luka Doncic, understandably so, but as far as Kyrie goes, I know with him coming out the other day on the anniversary feels like there's a whole anniversary theme surrounding the show of the memorial with Kobe Bryant last year on 224 at the Staples Center and how on that day he felt as if the NBA should change the logo where it should be Kobe Bryant as not only just the face of that but maybe the embodiment of his career, the mama mentality that he would be the perfect player to represent the logo at some point moving forward. Now, he says it needs to happen. He feels as if it's it would be unjust for everything that he's done for the league, him coming out of high school. We know the whole resume of a one Kobe Bean Bryant. And although it sounds like a good idea, and you would think Adam Silver, upon hearing that at first, probably raised an eyebrow and said, ah, sounds great. And even though Kyrie Irving stated that he's not trying to disrespect anybody that came before him. And you're talking about Bill Russell. You're talking about Michael Jordan. You want to even throw in Magic Johnson, Larry Bird? You could do that too. But for Kobe Bryant, and this is just me personally, for him to be the logo, let's say if they started that tomorrow or got the ball moving to where that's going to be the case moving forward, and it's been endorsed by Jerry West, which is easy for him to say because he is the logo. If you go back to the late 60s, early 70s, he is that guy who is the shape of that logo or the crest, whatever you want to call it. And we all know that Jerry West is a Los Angeles Laker. But with all that being said, I feel as if, why change it? And if they were to change it, it should be something similar to the Jordan logo, which a lot of people thought that it probably should have been going back 20 years plus from this time and I know that probably even upset the Jordan fan but that's not the point here the point of the matter is that if you're going to make Kobe the logo then you're going to have a faction of people that are going to say why can't the logo be this person or that person or it should be more LeBron or what have you and we understand that the tragedy has pretty much provoked the thought of not only Kyrie Irving but maybe certain people in the NBA to have this new logo be Kobe Bryant. 
But just like anything else in life with these knee-jerk reactions and to have things change on the fly or for it to be better to out with the old and with the new, I understand that. But as the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's the situation that I look at here. It's not about, oh, Jordan should be the logo or Kobe should be the logo or we should change it. I understand all that. But to me, why even bother? That's like if Major League Baseball would have changed their logo and you see that with the batter with the baseball coming to, let's say, a pitcher throwing a ball. Why even bother? Why change it? And that's the only thing I ask. Now, Kyrie's allowed to have his opinion. Kyrie could come up with whatever he wants. And we all know that he's, over the last, we'll say, year or so, outside of what goes on in the locker room, a lot of people have questioned not only his thought process, but also his values, ideals, etc. We all know about Earth being flat to round and without getting into all that. And now he brings up this situation with the NBA logo. At the end of the day, to me, this is much ado about nothing. Because I'd be shocked if the NBA would even think about changing the logo to Kobe. And not only that, but also the controversy that's going to spawn with guys before him. The immortal players of the game that I mentioned earlier. Because as great as Kobe was and understood why the younger player, this generation, would want Kobe Bryant to be the logo. But my thought is that it's just unnecessary. It really is. All it's going to do is just build controversy, could turn into a life of its own, especially if anybody from the NBA offices says anything, in particular the commissioner, and I don't think he hasn't said anything or I haven't heard any quotes or read anything coming from Madison Avenue or Park Avenue, wherever the NBA offices are located, I think Fifth Avenue here in Manhattan, until they come out with something, then to me it's a non-story. I get that it's going to bring up a lot as far as someone who has a microphone in front of them like myself and as sad as the Kobe situation was and I'm not trying to desensitize by saying, oh, he doesn't deserve to be on the logo. No, it has nothing to do with that because it's not personal towards Kobe. To me, leave the logo the way it is. I mean, what's going to be next? Somebody's going to come out and say, well, the NFL has to change their logo with these stars and the NFL, they got to put a silhouette of Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady to represent the logo. Uh, Give me a break. So Kyrie can have his thoughts and he could put out whatever he wants to put out, but it doesn't mean it's right. Or it doesn't mean that it should be changed. And until there's going to be some sort of groundswell that there's going to be this massive change, how come you haven't heard any other player out there endorse what Kyrie Irving said? You know, you haven't heard any other players or any of the league stars to come out and say, yeah, I'd be all for Kobe being the logo. And of course, they're not going to disrespect Kobe if they were asked that. But at the same time, Kyrie's been the only guy that's put it out. And nobody else has. So I just bring it up only because me personally, keep it the way it is. No need to change it. I'm sure Kobe probably feels the same way somewhere in the heavens if he was down upon us. And I won't even get into the off-the-court stuff that a lot of people will probably bring up if Kobe were to be the logo. But that's for another day. So that's my thought on the whole NBA logo 
But now the league has to really concern themselves now with the Toronto Raptors. Because I don't know if you've seen over the weekend where they had to cancel a game against the Chicago Bulls to where players and in particular the coaching staff, including Nick Nurse, the head coach of the Raptors, have come down with COVID to where they couldn't suit up eight players in a game. And now you have to wonder, although the timing may be right with the All-Star break coming up, but knowing that the schedule... Luckily for them, they haven't had the chance to make up too many games. I know the Spurs and the Grizzlies had missed some games here throughout the course of this first part of the year. But now, with the Raptors, and we all know they've been this place as it is. They're playing their games in Tampa. And for them to have to deal with this right now could be a blessing in a sense with the All-Star break coming up. But who knows? And I don't know what their schedule is right now. I'm sure they probably have at least one more game between now and Thursday, maybe even two. But you know with the way the season has gone and they've pretty much been, I'm not going to say scot-free, but they've been able to play most of their games, if not all of them. And now is where a time they're going to have to do their best to have Toronto, whether, not to say they're going to be in a bubble, but they're going to have to confine themselves from having this sucker spread. And this was a night where they played the Houston Rockets, I believe, on Friday. So now they have to detect with the Rockets whether or not they have been in close contact with these players, coaches, etc. Right now, Houston have been able to play their games since then. But you also have to concern yourself if you're the powers that be in the NBA on whether or not this thing is going to start spreading like wildfire. And then you have to put your teams on ice here in order to get healthy and back on the court. Something just to keep in mind as we head into this All-Star break week. But hopefully Toronto will be able to get through this quicker than normal, but they have to go through the protocol, so that means there may be some games that they're going to have to cancel here between now and Thursday. And speaking of the Rockets, I know Victor Oladipo turned down a two-year, $45 million extension. He's looking towards free agency as he's going to be a free agent after this year. But with his recent injury history and not knowing how much he's going to get on the market, he's still a young player, but he's had to endure a lot over the last couple of years, as far as being out of the lineup and not being 100% healthy, you got to wonder what his market is going to be. Now, we all know, even when he's 100% healthy, he is not a max player. He's not a guy that's going to get $190 million on the market. But he's on the heels right now of a last year, four-year, $85 million deal. You would think he's going to get something comparable to that wherever he goes, but he turns down the Rockets as you would think they're going to look to rebuild even with John Wall there and the whole trade with Russell Westbrook, etc. So, if you're a Rocket fan, boy, talk about the turn of events over the last year. Not even just for the Rockets, pretty much the sports scene in Houston as we said weeks ago between the Astros and the sign-stealing stuff and then obviously with Deshaun Watson, which I'll get into later, but we'll see how the Rockets handle this moving forward. Now, the rest of the league on a whole... The Lakers, who had that five-game losing streak, which was highlighted by the loss in Utah against the Jazz. And I know we've talked about it time after time here over the last three, four weeks or so, where Utah just pummeled the Lakers there, 114-89 there on Wednesday. But with no Anthony Davis, again, I have to see Utah in a big spot. What they do between now and the end of this year, whether they become a one seed, or even if they fall two, three, somewhere in that spot 
I need to see more from this Jazz team for me to believe that they could not only make it to an NBA final, but also win it. And I know they've been flying high. They've been playing well. I know they've hit a little bit of a speed bump here over the last couple of days. But at 27-7 and atop the Western Conference, they have played well above and beyond their expectations, at least for me, from afar, than I thought that they would be. And they have a big game on Wednesday against the Sixers as they go to Philadelphia. So you'll have, chances are, a matchup of the top two seeds in each, the East and the West. I know Brooklyn's a half game behind the Sixers right now, and that could change between now and then. But that should be an interesting matchup with those two teams going up against one another right before the All-Star break. And talk about teams that have made improvements. You just got to look at the East. When you see what the Bucks have done as they've started the click here after a slow start to their season, they've now won five in a row and are just a half game behind the Nets and a game behind the Sixers for the top of the East. And then slowly but surely creeping up, not only are the Knicks, could you believe that they're a game over 500? Now, without throwing ice-cold water on them, it's not as if they've beaten the league's best teams here. You know, it's not as if they've gone up against these Sixers or even the Nets for that matter, but they can beat up the teams that are on their schedule and as long as they do that, they're fine. So, yes, they could beat the Pacers the way they did the other night at home or even the Pistons for that matter and beat up against those teams, but those are the teams you're playing and if you beat them, so be it. But with the Knicks surging here at a game over 500 and it has to be the latest that they've been over 500, I would think since that 2012-2013 season, where the Knicks last made it to the playoffs, second round loss against Indiana when they were 54-28. and 28. But here they are to think as a four seed in the Eastern Conference. And then right behind them are the Miami Heat as they're starting to get whole and healthy. As we know, Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup and they've had their issues with COVID. So they've been able to put together a nice little winning streak of six in a row to where they're fifth in the Eastern Conference. And look at this. The Knicks going down to the Chicago Bulls. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven teams are literally separated by one game. And we understand that there's still plenty of basketball to be played. We're just right at about the halfway point of the NBA season. But when you see the standings and you see the way the Knicks have played and where they are, And the Celtics have been trending south, although they won yesterday against the Wizards. They had to pull a game out of their rear end to win that. But that, and then the Raptors, we got to throw them in the mix. And we got to see how that team's going to play out as the aforementioned COVID issues that have struck their team. But also give it up for Charlotte. And we know LaMelo Ball right now is a favorite to be the rookie of the year in the NBA. But we have all of those teams jumbled up, separated by one game which could be fascinating as we get into the second half and deeper into this NBA season as to who's going to make it. Now, we know that they're going to have this play-in tournament 7 through 10, I believe, so the top six seeds will be fine. And then you have 7, 8, 9, and 10 battle out to get those final two seeds. All right, it's a little hokey. we got to wait and see what happens. But that's to be talked about down the road. But in the Eastern Conference right now, very competitive, although it's not as competitive as the West as you see it fit where it's very top-heavy, the aforementioned Jazz, followed by the Lakers at 24-11 and 11, as they have gotten themselves back on the beam, winning two straight after losing those five in a row as they beat Portland. And then last night, the Warriors at home. The Clippers, who lost to the Bucks there yesterday, are just a half game behind the Lakers. Suns, who have been playing well and 
hand up in the air, I didn't think that they would be that much more improved, even with Chris Paul on the team. But after 33 games, they are 22 and 11 and winning at a 667 clip. So give it up to the Suns. Spurs, like I said, have played above their heads and played pretty well. Portland, Denver, even the Warriors with Draymond Green, I know left the game with a ankle injury. Who knows what's going to be his prognosis. And as we know, that team's going to need all the veteran leadership that they could possibly can. It's not just going to be based all on Steph Curry. So we know Draymond Green is a key ingredient to that ball club progressing and moving forward. And then Dallas, who can't seem to get out of their own way, even though Luka in the performance day the other night, as I mentioned earlier, against the Nets. And then you have the other teams, whether it's Memphis, New Orleans, and as long as those teams are at the bottom and flailing at the time, but can make those top 10 and be in that 7-10 to 10 category, that's what the NBA wants. To see the chance of Zion, the John Morantz, players like that try to make their name in the postseason. Granted that they're going to get whacked in the first round, but that's what they want to do this year with an abbreviated season, and so be it. Other than that, that's pretty much what you have. I'm not going to get into the All-Star weekend. I know Durant, who's not going to play, and you had all this stuff last week with Devin Booker. Oh, he got robbed, but with Anthony Davis not playing, he's going to take his spot. Everybody needs to pipe down on that. Nobody really cares at the end of the day. I don't usually watch the All-Star games anymore because, again, no defense, too many dunks. I don't want to see a 155-151 game. I just don't. Many years ago, I was into the All-Star games, all the All-Star games for that matter, but right now, I just, you have to pay me to watch that. But, you know, I'll follow in a sense where if something's happening or if something's trending on social media, I may pop it on, but as far as me sitting there from tip-off to the final buzzer, uh uh-uh. Not this guy. So that's what you have there with the NBA. Let me turn my attention to college basketball right now because we're just less than two weeks away from Selection Sunday and about two and a half weeks from the tournament. And with what happened over the weekend with the Baylor Bears losing to Kansas, and a lot of people are going to look at the layoff as them having a poor shooting night, losing 71-57. We know Baylor's a great shooting team. They did play their first game in three weeks against Iowa State there on Tuesday. And they did not shoot well in that game, but they did prevail. But then on Saturday night, having to play at the Allen Fieldhouse and Kansas, who are now starting to trend northward as far as the rankings go, Baylor suffers a loss, which to me is not a bad thing. Now, Baylor is going to have a very interesting week upcoming because they will play West Virginia, who are ranked 10th in the nation, And they'll have to go to West Virginia to play that game. Now, mind you, they were supposed to play them last week, but the game was canceled. And that was supposed to be in their building. But between them and then Texas Tech over the weekend, Baylor, you wonder if they're going to be continuing in this shooting funk that maybe they'll stumble into the conference championships and maybe not be on all cylinders as they get to the tournament. I think the loss helps them incredibly because now they don't have to worry about Going undefeated, that's more Gonzaga's problem right now. And chances are, in their conference, they're going to breeze through that and maybe get to the tournament undefeated, which would be just a bad sign. We saw what happened a few years back with Kentucky, I believe it was, what, 2016? Maybe it was 2018, off the top of my head. Where, no, it was 2016, where Kentucky was 38-0, I believe, up until the Final Four when they played Wisconsin and then they lost. That was the year, I believe, Duke beat Wisconsin. 
And for Gonzaga to have to deal with that, I'm sure Baylor, at least they can exhale a little bit to say, okay, now I don't have to worry about having to go undefeated or have to match blow for blow with Gonzaga. We could kind of go about our business, hopefully get back in the gym, refocus, and get ourselves back on track against a West Virginia team that is looking pretty formidable right now as they head into the tournament. So with Baylor, I think, again, it's a blessing for them, not so a curse. We'll see what happens there with Gonzaga as we move forward. But if I'm the Bulldogs, I would try to lose a game. Not to say you're going to throw a game or just purposely lose a game, but I think it's going to help them more than hurt them if they lose. I know that sounds a little bit crazy. I know it sounds out of bounds to a certain extent. Not that I want them to tank or lose. And even with this college basketball season that, let's say for argument's sake, they go into the tournament undefeated and win the whole thing. Of course, the first thing people are going to say, oh, they had games postponed, coronavirus, they didn't get to play Baylor early on in the college basketball season. They may end up being, off the top of my head, instead of being 38, 40, or 41-0, they're going to maybe be 31-0. Is it going to still count? Of course it's going to count. But it's going to be looked upon as it wasn't a full college basketball season due to the circumstances. So people are going to probably shun Gonzaga being that team if they do go undefeated to be up at the ranks of the Indianas of the world, which was the last team in college basketball in 1976 that had gone undefeated in a season and of course cutting down the nets for a national championship. But with Baylor losing, you wonder if Michigan moves up a notch because Michigan, they just continue to roll. They've been beating people up left and right. We saw what happened there against Wisconsin. We saw what happened after their layoff when they beat Ohio State. They pummeled Iowa early in the week. And right now, you would think that they're going to be number two in the country because of what's happened. Now, Baylor did lose to a ranked team in Kansas. It's not as if they lost to an unranked team. But you would think Michigan's going to move up to number two by the end of the day today. And Michigan's been flying high. What could you say? They may be, right now, the hottest team in college basketball. And that even includes Gonzaga. So we'll see what Juwan Howard and company has as they get closer to the conference tournaments. You also had a couple of other losses among the top 10 this week where even though Iowa did lose to Michigan, they bounced back nicely by beating Ohio State. And you know that they're going to drop down the rankings there where Iowa wins 73-57 in Columbus, I might add. So they had two losses at home to Michigan and now with Iowa. So even with their loss, Iowa will probably stay at nine. That's where they're at right now. Villanova loses to Butler. Yesterday, 73-61. So they take a little bit of a hit. You think Villanova's going to fall back? Not that this matters when it comes to Selection Sunday. Yes, it's going to matter as far as where they're going to be ranked in the regions as far as their seeding goes. But just because they're out of the top 10 doesn't mean that, oh, their chances of winning or their chances of making it to a Final Four or going deep into March, they're going to be excluded from that. We all know that these teams are going to make the tournament in their sleep. But it's just a matter of these teams trying to get an inch closer, especially now with Ohio State, chances are going to fall out of the top four. You figure that it's going to be Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan is going to take those top three spots no matter what happens here over the course of the next week, week and a half. But what team's going to get that four spot? Even a team like Illinois, who they've suffered a couple of losses here, and they were ranked right behind Ohio State. So you have to look at what they've 
had to endure here losing to Michigan State, which right now they look like they're going to be in good position to make the tournament right now in Tom Izzo and the Spartans. And even though they did win against Nebraska and Wisconsin, but Illinois still has to face Michigan tomorrow and then Ohio State over the weekend. So you know if you're the Villanovas of the world, if you're Oklahoma who just dropped two straight to Kansas State and Oklahoma State, even Alabama, that's a team that's looking for a one seed in their bracket come two weeks from yesterday. So although the top 10 may not be important, and teams like Villanova or teams like Iowa that are trying to jockey for position to get close to at least being in the top four where they could get a one seed or even a two seed at best. That's why these games are important. It's going to remain to be seen what Illinois is going to be made of here with these two games against Michigan and Ohio State. Now, it's not to say that if they lose both, they're going to be one and done in the tournament. Or even if they win both, that they're, who knows? If they win both of those games, they're probably going to get a number one seed overall. Just based on beating those two teams, which have been a powerhouse, not only in the Big Ten, but just throughout all of college basketball. So now we're starting to get ourselves in gear. The month is here. March Madness is going to ensue. And you know I'm going to be all over this from now until the end of the month and into April when they play the national championship game in the Lucas Oil Stadium out in Indianapolis. So we'll continue to monitor it. Keep our fingers on the pulse. Uh, I think that's it I got for college basketball. Oh, let me just throw this in the mix. Got to give a big shout out to Roy Williams, the coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, who won his 900th victory as a head coach. We all know that he coached at Kansas prior to that. He's the fifth coach in NCAA men's history to achieve that milestone. Of course, Coach K, Bobby Knight, Jim Beheim, and Jim Calhoun are the other coaches to reach that lofty, Milestone. So congratulations to Roy Williams as they try to get into the tournament. Chances are they probably will make it as well. Duke looks like a team that they could be not on the bubble as they once were maybe a couple weeks back. Kentucky doesn't look like they're going to make it unless they win their conference championship. And then UCLA, if you want to look at the other blue blood, now UCLA isn't the Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky's. Right, overall, when you look at the history of college basketball, but of of recent vintage, that's not the case. But chances are we're going to get a few of those teams in there to represent in the final 68. So we'll continue to keep our fingers on the pulse when it comes to college basketball. Now, I want to continue the theme with the winter sports, and I'll get to Tiger right after the NHL. I just kind of want to put this all under one category as we're dealing with not only just the NBA and the college basketball, but let me also turn my attention to the hockey before I get to Tiger and then baseball and a couple other things before we say goodbye. But I get that if you're the casual hockey fan and you're probably wondering why are all these teams playing one another, it seems like every other day. So when you're an Islander fan like myself, and let's say you just parachuted from some other planet and you say to yourself, wait a minute, The Islanders played the Penguins six times this month and they suffered four losses all to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, as we know, the condensed schedule is a 54-game sprint or excuse me, 56 games and you're going to see a lot of these teams play one another because of how the schedule was consistent. It's going to be broken down by all the divisions. Once again, for those who are just tuned in and wonder why all these teams are playing one another and the Rangers aren't playing the Red Wings or the Flyers aren't playing the Vegas Golden Knights. 
for travel purposes and to combat as best as possible with the coronavirus. All these divisions, and of course, north of us in Canada, all the Canadian teams, that's one big division there, that you're going to see a lot of repetition. The Bruins playing the Rangers twice over the weekend and the Islanders last week on the island. And my question to everybody, even those who are the diehard hockey fan, are you sick and tired of this condensed schedule? Are you tired of seeing the same team, it seems like, every other day? Or looking at other teams and saying, oh my God, again, it's Arizona playing against Vegas or LA and San Jose again. I get that it's right now, you just want to bang your head against the wall because that's what it seems like night in and night out. And as much as the schedule hasn't really worked for the NHL right now because of the COVID cases, and although it's come down a little bit and you can only hope that everybody from Gary Bettman on down can exhale just a little bit, hoping that the worst is behind them, as I said last week. But the... Play has been a lot more intense. There has been a lot more physicality. Not as much as I like, of course, but now as we get closer to the halfway point of this hockey season, there's still games that need to be made up and you still have a lot of teams that are have only played 17 games. I believe there's just a handful of teams that have played 23 games in the National Hockey League, but and those happen to be the bad teams. So it's not, easy, it's not even as if the top teams in the league have played in upwards of 21, 22, 23 games. You have a lot of teams that need to make up these games. Even if you're a team like the Blues, who have had tough stretches, who in fact were one of the teams that played seven straight games against an opponent in the Arizona Coyotes. That's right, look it up. Now, there were some scheduling quirks there because a couple of games, I believe one was against Minnesota. I forgot what the other... It was supposed to be a, a, another two-game series against another team, but because those games were canceled, they actually played seven straight games from, I believe, February 1st to about the 15th. So you're going to see a lot of that repetition amongst competition here from now until the middle of May. So when you look at the league on a whole right now, there's still time to be played, we understand, and I'm not going to try to go ahead and break down divisions and see what we have as far as playoff possibilities are concerned. But you do know that the NHL, in each of the four divisions, the four teams in each division are going to make the postseason. And let's just say that if the halfway point, which would be 28 games, were to be the end of the season, you would actually have a logjam and a fight to the finish as to who's going to make it to the postseason. Because right now, there are log jams in each of these divisions, which I know the NHL is probably loving right now. But the sad part is, who's really paying attention? To me, that's the big elephant in the room because you can have all these competitive races in the NHL. You could say, wow, there are literally six teams playing for four spots or seven teams playing for four spots or five teams playing for the last two spots in these divisions. Granted, there's still more than a half a season to go, but like I said, if you're not a die-in-the-wall hockey fan, if you're not that guy that just eats, sleeps, breathes hockey, you're not going to know this stuff. Part of it is because the games are on NBCSN. Part of it that there's not the big following that the NHL once had. I don't know if it has to do with the marketing of the superstars. We've talked about that ad nauseum over the last three years. But just for some fun, When you look through these divisions right now, 
And all you got to do is look at the Central, and we'll start there. There seems to be a lot of leapfrogging going on there because two weeks ago, Tampa was in third place in the Central. And mind you, they're only a couple of points behind. But when you look at Tampa tied with the Florida Panthers there at 29 points, the Blackhawks right behind them at 28, and then the Carolina Hurricanes behind them at 27. Granted, the rest of the division is going to fall by the wayside, but you're going to have those four teams going to be fighting for the top four seeds in that division. And it's going to be important because a lot of that's going to have to do with home ice. Does it really matter with no fans? Or I know now, depending on the state, their restrictions are going to be lifted here to where they're going to be some fans. And you think the NHL, that's one sport that needs its fans. So you would think that you're going to see some fans here as we get toward the end of the season. But it's going to be helpful because if you're Tampa right now, and you're two points away from the fourth spot in the central, if you do happen to fall there, that means your first round, you're going to have to go on the road to whomever the first place team is, and then have to go on the road again. Now, a Tampa may not matter because they are the defending Stanley Cup champs, and they are a team that, for all intents and purposes, could be the team coming out of the East and defending their title. But this is what's going to make the sport interesting from this regard. So whether you have the race in the central or if you look at the east where you have Washington, Boston, the Islanders who have played well as I've said then the Flyers behind them are the Penguins with 23 points the rest of the division is going to be gone because the Rangers, Devils and Sabres are just not going to have enough to reach those top four in the Eastern Conference or in the Eastern Division excuse me and then if you're going to look at the Canadian Division The Toronto Maple Leafs have been the best team in the league when you look at it from a points perspective. Then it's Edmonton with 28, Winnipeg 27, Montreal 23, then Calgary 22, and then Vancouver and Ottawa you could pretty much forget about. And then out west, that's where you really have to jam because you have six teams there in the mix for the four spots, which would include Vegas, Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado, LA, and Arizona as those top six teams, and they're only separated by four points. So as much as Gary Bettman wants to shake the pom-poms and say, look at all this competition, there's a lot of teams that are going to be fighting for the postseason, well, let's get to the halfway point first, and even past that before we can even think about who's going to be fighting, not only for the top couple of spots to get home ice, but also for the three and four seeds in each division, and... We'll have to dissect it at that time. Because as much as this is a 56-game sprint, there's still a lot of hockey to be played. At least two months worth. So, but you know me. I'll be on top of it. I'll be following it. And with a couple of other news to wrap up the NHL segment, I know Patrick Kane scored his 400th goal against the Red Wings. And Kane, as we all know, has been a longtime Blackhawk. So congratulations to him. The Buffalo native who is pretty much the leader of this team. We know about Jonathan Taze not being able to play with the injury that he's suffered or the has some sort of ailment which he's unable to be on the ice for any length of time. So let's see what the Blackhawks as they're, as I said earlier, they're in the mix with Tampa, Florida, Carolina in the central. In fact, they're just uh, a point behind each Tampa and Florida for the top spot in the Central. So, you know, they're going to be heard from. And they're actually, 
have played pretty well. And I would think that a lot of people thought with the way the Blackhawks in the last couple of years have kind of, not kind of, they've been on the outside looking in after their cup run there in the early 2010s into the middle of the decade. Not to say they're going to be pushing for a Stanley Cup berth this year, but I'm sure that they're well ahead of schedule. A lot of people think that a lot of the young players that they brought in this past year and beyond have paid dividends and it certainly could be a threat here. Still remains to be seen, but it's good to see the Blackhawks there and the NHL needs it because anytime you have an original six team, not only in the postseason, but going deep into a postseason, that's just a boon for the league because as we all know, when you have a Stanley Cup final as you did last year, granted there's stars abound in Tampa and Dallas was a great story, but nobody, I don't care who you are, you're not going to be glued to the sets or even think about watching a Stanley Cup final with those two teams there. If it's the Blackhawks and the Rangers, and not to say the Rangers are going to make it this year, but again, they're an original six team. But if you have any one of those teams, whether you're Montreal, Detroit, Toronto, Chicago, the Rangers, the Bruins, you have those teams playing in a conference final or especially in a Stanley Cup final, that's only going to be a huge plus for Gary Bettman and company. And then lastly, you had the situation, speaking of the Rangers, with their top goal scorer in Artemi Panarin, where he's taken a leave of absence after some allegations that have surfaced regarding assault. Now, this is going back in his KHL days. This is when he was 18 years old. I believe this happened in 2011. But his former coach, who was a former NHL tough guy and a one Andre Nazarov, in an interview... He had mentioned that Panarin was involved in an incident where he had struck a young woman several times and I quote, sent her to the floor with powerful blows. Now, people are going to say, well, this happened 10 years ago. Why are they even bringing this up now? Why is this even an issue considering this didn't happen on A, American soil and B, while he was a player of the National Hockey League? Well, the reason why they're doing that is because granted that this was 10 years ago and he was a kid and didn't know any better, but something like that, if it is true, first of all, it's awful. But second of all, most importantly, has any type of situation like that arisen between now and today? Obviously, we don't know that. And there have been a lot of reports that money's been paid off to the victim. And again, this is all alleged. I'm not trying to say that this is concrete, whatever, but the reason why he is not in the lineup and has not been playing for this indefinite amount of time is because of these reports that have come out in his native Russia about this dispute with this young woman. And like I said, who knows if anything has happened between his time here in the States and playing in the National Hockey League. There isn't anything that we know of. I'm sure that they're doing their due diligence, not only just the Rangers, but also the NHL to find out that, hey, whatever you have, whatever... Dirty laundry needs to be aired out right now because God forbid if he gets back on the ice and there's somebody coming forward with the report that in 2016 or 2018 or just this past year of a woman that was abused by this player, then forget about it. The Rangers and the NHL, they're going to go up in flames. So that's why he's been sitting out here and I get that everybody, oh, the cancel culture, this and that. This day and age, man, you got to Be cautious, you got to beware, all this. And especially if you're a league where your fourth 
in the top four of sports. And that's arguable because I'm sure a lot of people think that MMA is more popular than the NHL or even baseball for that matter. And you need to do your best to iron out any of these issues with any of its players. And Panarin is a top player in the league. Is he the face of the league? He is not. But you have to, at all costs, go down the rabbit hole to find out any little nook and cranny about this kid's background to make sure that none of this pops up or another report resurfaces with someone else out there because then the league and the Rangers will be doomed for that. And then not only that, but he also had on a separate issue, he's also thrown barbs at the Russian government and Vladimir Putin with the way things have gone on in Russia over the last few years as far as economically and families. And he does go back to Russia every off-season to visit his grandparents who are still there. So who knows if he's going to be exiled from his country. That's a whole separate issue. But the main issue here is let's see how this plays out with Panarin, his background, and if anything else that happens to bubble to the surface when it comes to these reports. All right, now let me get to Tiger Woods here before I get to the baseball and even the NFL. Now, we know Tiger last week suffered this car accident south of Los Angeles as he was going to a video shoot where the day before, I believe, he participated for the Golf Channel, I think it was, where Dwayne Wade was a part of it. I forgot who the other player was. It may have been an actor. And if you look at Dwayne Wade's Instagram profile, he did post a video with him and Tiger Woods the day before. A little shout out to Tiger on his IG feed. Well, last Tuesday, he was en route to a shoot with Drew Brees, the Saints quarterback, as well as the rookie phenom from the LA Chargers, Justin Herbert, to where he was going down a curvaceous highway or road in Hawthorne, California, to where he happened to, I guess, be speeding. He was going north, and I believe it was downhill to where he lost control of the car. He hit the divider, and then the car turned several times, several hundred feet away from the said road, and when the authorities got to him, they had to crack open the windshield. They had to pull him out that way only to find out that he had multiple fractures in his leg, including a compound fracture, to where he was rushed to the hospital. At first, he was airlifted, but then he was just transported to the local hospital there where he went extensive or had extensive surgery on his right leg. Thankfully, he had his seatbelt on. It wasn't anything worse than that. When you hear about something like that, the first thing that you think of, or at least I thought of, considering that it was in California and that it wasn't near a mountain, but you think of what happened to poor Kobe Bryant. But thankfully, he was able to sustain some serious injuries, but his life is not in jeopardy. And of course, a lot of people think now, at 45 years old, he had just recently had back surgery, and we know that his back has been his biggest nemesis, other than himself at times, but as far as him on the golf course, we know he's had all these issues with his knees, etc., but his back has been the main focus, and now that it looked like he was trying to get his back right to maybe make a run at the Masters next month, well, obviously you can forget about that. Now he has this issue with his leg, and as far as his recovery goes, he's still in the hospital, he's still under good care, who knows how much longer he's going to have to be there. We know that they're not going to rush him out of there because if you remember the situation with Alex Smith when he suffered his broken leg and it's equivalent to that to where he had a complete compound of the tibia 
and the fibia so where and also had screws inserted in his ankle just to sustain any type of support not that he's able to walk on it now but when he has a chance to get out from the bed and start walking but the issue that happened with Alex Smith is that he left the hospital too soon and therefore that's where infection came a part of the process so where you had all these surgeries they had these skin grafts you had just the extensive and laborious rehab and recovery of a one Alex Smith and I'm sure you've probably seen the E60 feature on him that now they're looking at Tiger Woods and say we don't want to repeat performance so even if Tiger thinks that I'm fine I'm good I can walk out of here I could jog out of here whatever uh-uh. they are not taking any chance of a repeat performance that happened to Alex Smith there a couple of years back and you know Tiger I'm sure he's probably thinking about what Alex Smith had to endure because he's a sports fan and who knows maybe At some point, they'll be in contact with one another as far as the whole rehab process and how that's going to unfold for one Eldrick Tiger Woods. So we'll just have to wait and see. Chances are you're not going to see him on a golf course at all this year, which is not a surprise. And who knows what's going to happen for next year because as we all know that this is not going to be an easy task for him. But the one thing you can say which hasn't been said especially early into the mid part of his career that he has a lot of respect from Not only the fans and the golfing community, but of course his brethren, his fellow golfers who paid tribute to him yesterday as there was a tournament down in Bradenton, Florida at the WGC Workday Championship where Tony Finau and a lot of the other golfers wore the Sunday attire that Tiger Woods has done for decades now, the red shirt with the black pants, as a lot of golfers paid tribute to him in wearing that on Sunday and Tiger even sent a tweet saying that he was very touched by it and moved, etc. And we can only hope that the recovery is as speedy as it possibly can. We know that when Tiger's on a golf course, it means a lot to golf and what he has meant to golf to this point. And I can't sit here and speculate when he'll be back. You would probably think it's going to be minimum a year and a half. So you may think off the top of your head, maybe Father's Day next year. But we all know it's not about that right now. It's about him just getting healthy, getting 100% to where he could walk again, that he could be stable on that leg. And if he decides at that time he wants to take a crack at it, which you would think with his competitive juices and how Tiger's DNA and how he's been built, that he's going to come back and try to get himself on a golf course, whether it's at a major or even at a regular tournament, certainly remains to be seen, but you couldn't put past or certainly doubt that Tiger Woods will not be back on a golf course at some point here over the course of the next two years. And we wish him the best. Now quickly, let me get to baseball. There's only just a few things to touch on here as the exhibition season begun yesterday. I'm not going to get crazy about any of these games. As you know or may not know, it's upon the manager's discretion on whether to play five, seven, or nine inning games here. I believe for the first two weeks of the preseason and then in the last two weeks they'll play either seven or nine inning games you would think they'll try to play nine inning just to get more reps more work before all the teams head north or west but besides the games itself I could care less I'm not going to sit here and look at Met scores and get crazy about Pete Alonso going two for two with a home run and three RBIs I need to see that in April, May, June, July but baseball has arrived the game's are here if you want to sink your teeth into that. But the two things that I will 
get wrapped up in here in the baseball segment. One, kudos to Trey Mancini, the Orioles infielder who, in his first at-bat, got a standing ovation yesterday. He's coming back from colon cancer. And is he all the way back? If he's in a uniform and if he's performing, yes. But we all know we have to wait and see until April, see how the spring treats him as far as this next month goes. And once we get to April 1st, and if he's penciled in the lineup and performing and playing on that level, then you could say he's all the way back. But kudos to him and congratulations to him. The other thing of note is Shohei Otani, who cracked 100 on the gun the other day. And we know Otani's coming back from Tommy John surgery. We know he's a guy, much ballyhooed, coming from Japan. One rookie of the year in 2018, which to me was dubious because I thought Miguel Andujar was your rookie of the year. Because remember, Otani only played, I think, two-thirds of a season. Now, he did pitch. I believe he had a very good record. Remember, he's a DH most of the time. He's only going to pitch on Sundays. He doesn't play the field. So here's a guy that, for all intents and purposes, looks like he's 100% and ready to go here in early March. So we'll check his prognosis as we go along to see if he's going to be ready to start the season, especially on the mound, because that's where we really want to see him. As a DH, we have seen him. We know he's a good hitter. But we want to see that two-way prowess of a one Shohei Atani. So hopefully we'll get to see that this year. We also have the Yankees, who are looking for a big season, especially from a pitching staff that right now, on paper, looks very well. With, of course, Garrett Cole. We know about Corey Kluber. Them bringing in Jamison Tyon from the Pirates. And that would also include Domingo Herman, A guy who was 18-4 but with a 4 ERA back in 2019. But we saw what happened there with the alleged domestic abuse reports during that team function sometime in the summer. Well, he's paid his penance. He's also said his mea culpas not only to his teammates one by one, but to the organization, to his fans, as he looks to bounce back with the Yankee team that's looking to get back to a World Series for the first time since 2009. So we'll see how his spring transpires as he tries to get himself entrenched into that Yankee rotation. And then two other things, well, three things quick. There was an Instagram report last week released by the wife of Albert Pujols was suggested that this was going to be Pujols' last season. And then he had to address the media to say that that's not the case, that he's taking it year by year. Now he's in the last year of a 10-year, $240 million contract that he signed after he won a World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals. So that long 10-year contract is coming to an end. But he's not going to bring that up until after the season. As we know, Albert Pujols is that much more closer to 700 home runs all time. He's 38 behind, which is going to be a reach this year, even if he plays 150 games. He is third all-time in RBIs at 2,100. Still has, I believe he's 14 RBIs behind Babe Ruth. Or he may be 114. I think he has 22-14, Babe Ruth. And then Hank Aaron's number one overall. Pools, you would hope he's not going to hang on for these records. It would be great to see him break 700, to be only the third person, or at least get to 700, We all know that A-Rod's ahead of him at 696, but for him to attain these milestones would be just unbelievable considering that we're probably never ever going to see, at least in my lifetime, a player hit 700 home runs or even have 2,000 RBIs as Pujols is looking to attain here, especially with the 700 home runs. So his future right now, don't know what it's going to be, but he is going to play this year and hopefully he plays a full healthy year to see what he could do at the plate to enhance those stats a little bit 
And then speaking of milestones, Miguel Cabrera, who is in his best shape possible and still a few years left on his big deal, is looking to join the 500 home run 3,000 hit club, which Albert Pujols is a part of, as he's just 13 home runs and 134 hits shy of both. As I said, Miggy's feeling fine. He's looking to hope to get to those two milestones. And if he does, again, he'll be in some lofty company. Now, the one thing I thought of, as much as I said Pujols is going to be the last guy to get to 700 home runs, at least in my lifetime, you could also think that who in Major League Baseball right now is even going to approach 500 home runs and 3,000 hits, which once upon a time was the barometer of being a lock Hall of Famer. And only a handful of people have gotten that. Whether your name is Hank Aaron, whether your name is even Eddie Murray, a guy like him, Rafael Palmero, just of recent ilk. But what player out there is going to be close to achieving those statistics? Of course, the first person that comes to mind is Mike Trout. And Trout does have 302 home runs, you would think, with still, what, 12 years left on his deal, and he's 29 years old as of right now. He'll be 30 in August. You would think he's going to make... 500 home runs, but he only has 1,300, I think 1,380 hits. So he's not even halfway to 3,000, and he's going to make it, barring his health, he's going to make it to 1,500 before the year's over, and then some. But that's one player that you think could reach 500 and 3,000 hits. Besides that, who do you have? You're going to tell me Bryce Harper's going to do that? Manny Machado? You want to say Fernando Tatis? Way too early in the game to even think about him. But right, who's going to be that next guy? I can't tell you. I would almost have to think that 400 home runs is the new 500 home runs. And maybe 2,500 hits is the new 3,000 hits. Because we all know health is a contributing factor to this. And if you're nowhere near the health to even get close to those goals, you can forget about it. So... Something to keep in mind there as we get into the season. And then lastly, my zero of the week last week was Kevin Mather, the Mariner president, who made those comments not only about the former Mariner pitcher, was a Hiseki Iwakuma, and also the young prospect Julio Rodriguez, but there were also comments made about Jared Kalenic and the whole process of free agency. If you bring up a player, what is it, two weeks into the season, it doesn't count to his full season when it comes to major league service so whether your name is Chris Bryan who had that controversy there in Chicago and is going to play out his last year where this would have been his free agent year where he would have gotten big bucks or when you look at a guy like Pete Alonso who the Mets brought up at the beginning of 2019 so that means that his free agent year isn't going to be extended after those six years that's it well when you make comments like that even if it was in a small forum He got the axe later after the podcast, so as much as he was my zero of the week, he became a literal zero as an out of a job. So he gets jettisoned as the president of the Seattle Mariners as of last Monday. And then lastly, let me get to the NFL. And who would have thought that the NFL would be last here? That's right. I'm putting them last, people, because they are off the radar right now. I don't care with these reports, so on and so forth. And I'm going to be brief with this because... It's just going to be an opinion here. I'll start with Russell Wilson. Now, we all know his agent is going to say a lot. And even if Russell Wilson does comment about something, it's going to make news. And we saw what happened there. What was it? 10, 14 days ago about wanting more protection and having more same personnel. Well, 
His agent has come out and said, well, yes, he wants to be a member of the Seahawks. He wants to play the rest of his career in Seattle. But there's a list of four teams that if he was to get traded, that he would go to. And that would be Dallas, the Vegas Raiders, the New Orleans Saints, or the Chicago Bears. So my thing is, why even throw those four teams out if he wants to stay in Seattle for the rest of his career? To me, that's just nonsense. Why even put that out there? Are you trying to dangle a carrot in front of those four teams to see maybe if they could garner a trade to bring Wilson to any one of those cities? And that's what that is. I mean, that's just posturing to the Seahawks to say, yeah, he wants to stay here, but I just, oh, please. I, I'm not even going to say another word about that. To me, it's just a waste of time. If you want to get wrapped up in those rumors about him going there or Jerry Jones wants to bring, I don't care. Until it happens, then let me know. And we get that this is all rumor-driven. We get fascinated by what goes on behind the scenes with the drama, etc. But it gets exhausting after a while. And the same thing with Deshaun Watson, and I'll segue there, to where last week he posted a tweet where it said, loyalty over everything. And I thought to myself, after reading that, I said, wait a minute, is he going to stay in Houston? Because we know he's a good kid, we know his upbringing, etc. But then hours after that, whether through his agent, friends, whatever, that he's played his last game in a Texan uniform back when it was late December, early January in the regular season. Now, if Watson's going to think about sitting out, first of all, he's going to get fined up the wazoo and remind you, next year he's making $10 million. He's not making the big bucks until after that. So if he wants to sit out next year and boohoo to think that, oh, I want to get traded and have this NBA player empowerment posturing, it would be not only just a nightmare for the league and a nightmare for Watson because I'll say this right here and right now. I'm sure before he signed on the dotted line, he knew that this organization wasn't 100%. So whether you're the GM, whether it was Bill O'Brien, which I guess he had respect for. I know Jack Easterby is the one guy that everybody can't stand going from Andre Johnson on down, the former Texan wide receiver. Well, if you knew the organization was terrible and they also jettisoned DeAndre Hopkins in what was a very questionable, and I'll say that nicely, trade to the Arizona Cardinals. Well, if you knew that by trading your biggest weapon to Arizona that the infrastructure on this organization was unstable, to say the least, then why the hell did you sign for $140 million there September the 5th of last year before the season started? So now you want to boohoo and think, oh, I want out. Oh, I don't want to play for this organization anymore. Oh, I'm sick of this. There's rumors here, rumors there. I just want to, please. Come on, Deshaun. If you knew that this organization was one that you didn't want to stick by, no matter how much money they threw at you, you could have played out this final year and you could have walked, no matter how much money they threw at you. That's all I'm going to say about that. Then you had J.J. Watt. He's had multiple offers from various teams. I think the teams that are interested are the Browns, even the Chiefs, among other teams. I know people in Pittsburgh are probably wondering, will J.J. Watt be a member of the Steelers, considering both T.J. and... Derek Watt are both on the team. Pittsburgh said that the last I saw was that they're not out of the running, but they're not in the running for whatever that means. And I don't think J.J. Watt would be a, a fit there in Pittsburgh anyway because they already have Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tewitt there to bookend that defensive line. If they want to pay him minimum and he's just going to come in on third down, then fine. I, sign him up right now. But we all know that J.J. Watt, that's not going to happen, so. 
we'll see where he goes. And uh, a couple other things. I know Lewis Nix, the former Notre Dame defensive tackle, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, who was found missing last week, was reported dead over the weekend, which is sad news there. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to his family, as well as what's happening in Pittsburgh, speaking of the Steelers, where they have until St. Patty's Day to rework Ben's deal. As we know, the Steelers can't afford Ben going into this upcoming season, so they're going to try to work out something between now and then. Let's see what happens as both sides want Ben to come back to be a Steeler next year. So you know I will be on top of that. And now let's close out here with the Hero and Zero of the Week. My Hero of the Week, and real sad to report this one because this was a guy that as a boy watching the NFL and before Brian Gumble and the NFL 77 or 78, this is the year I'm talking about, but you had the NFL Today and a one Irv Cross who is a pioneer in the industry, the first black studio analyst alongside Brent Musburger, as well as Jimmy the Greek Snyder, Phyllis George, and then later Jane Kennedy, died at the age of 81, I believe Saturday, with the cause of death unknown. Now, he was a former Philadelphia Eagle, played in the NFL for many years, but well-known as an analyst that he was there in the mid-70s, NFL Today. I love that show. The whole you are looking live, the famous Brent Musburger quote to open up the show and then him and Irv back and forth. To me, that's when I loved watching pregame shows. And it was only a half hour. Now you have these five-hour pregame shows. I can't get into that. But with that being said, Irv Cross on to the next stage. Thoughts, prayers, condolences go out to his family as he dies at the age of 81. And my zero of the week, and I hate to even bring this guy up, but... John Gettert, the former USA Gymnastics coach who unfortunately had ties to the Dr. Larry Nassar who not only was indicted but charged on a million accounts where he was pretty much serving 80 life terms in prison. He was about to face 24 accounts of sexual assault, human trafficking, lying to police officer and this was a guy that was the coach of the 2012 Olympics that won gold commits suicide upon hearing of these counts knowing that he was going to have to face these just heinous and vicious attacks and just to think that hours after that he just took his own life Uh, what could you say man it just is awful it's terrible for all those victims that you just feel for and for him to just take his own life knowing that the guilt was not only just written all over his face, but was inside and out of his body and went the sucker route and did that and didn't face the music. John Gettard, he is my zero of the week. And now wrap up episode 181, the third anniversary in the books, but that doesn't mean it's my final podcast of the week. The anniversary continues later on the week on Thursday. If you're curious about how the... NFL and production as far as how these games are broadcasted, how they're kicked off, what goes on in the master control or in the truck, I got the person for you. This coming Thursday from CBS Sports, technical director Lauren Correa, as I like to call her, Sikoriak, joins me to delve into what really goes on behind the scenes as not only just the NFL on a week-to-week basis on Sundays, but what it's like to produce And also have to push the button to unleash the Super Bowl to not only just the States, but worldwide. 
I'll have that for you on Thursday. Very fascinating from an old friend of mine who's a part of that team there at CBS. And I learned a lot of things there. Because you would think when you're watching a game, the last thing you're thinking about is what goes on in the booth or what goes on in the director's chair. But you're going to get a bird's eye view from Lauren as to how that goes on a week-in, week-out basis. And I'm very happy to share that with you later on this week. This will be Thursday by noon. So you want to stay tuned for that. But if you enjoyed what you listened to or even my podcast there last Thursday with Tyrone Carter, the former NFL player who had a lot to say about what's going on in the league, especially during his playing days. If you want to hear more of those type of interviews, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, Amazon Music, wherever it may be. Because what that's going to do, people, is increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there. And then in turn will generate interest to those who aren't familiar with this podcast so I could get them on to share their experiences with me, whether they're the former or current athlete, the broadcaster, the blogger, the studio host, even the technical director behind the scenes. Because as I said earlier, three years and hopefully I'm here for another 33 more, I want to deliver top-notch podcasts to you, not only just with my opinions and analysis, but the experiences of these people, whether they're on the field, on the sidelines, in the broadcast booth, Press box, you name it. So subscribe, rate, and review people. I would greatly appreciate that. And if you want to hit me up with a question, comment, criticism, praise, you could do so on any of my social media accounts or the old-fashioned way by email, whether it's on Instagram at JReels or the JReels Podcast, which is strictly sports. On Twitter, JReels1, just a number. On Facebook, the JReels Podcast fan page. And then by email, the JReels Podcast at gmail.com. Again, bring them on. Questions, comments, criticism, praise. I'll be More than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. And then lastly, to contribute to the podcast, the production, everything that goes on behind the scenes with me, whether it's the website, equipment, all the trimmings that make this podcast percolate and produce, etc. You could do so at www.patreon.com slash the J Reels podcast. And that's Patreon, P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N as in Nancy. So whatever you want to contribute to that, I'll be not only more than grateful for that token of appreciation and thankful for that contribution because as I've said all along at the top of this podcast and throughout, this is what I love to do, people, to bring my perspective on everything that's happening in the sports world, to entertain you guys, to inform you guys, to make you laugh, maybe make you a little angry, maybe it makes you want to bite back a little bit, Jay Reels, you're crazy, whatever it is, that's the reason why I'm here because I love to deliver everything that's happening on the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the gridiron, the world of the hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>